stop. 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 Please. Please. <laughs> stop. I got I to gotta compose myself because the moment he said that, everything in me just cringed. I'm like, no, please don't be obedient. Uh, anyways, well, hey, if this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. Uh, my name's Josh. My wife, Brittany, and I serve as the lead pastors, and we just want to say welcome uh, to you. I know we've welcomed our first-time guests, but there's another group of people in the room that I need to welcome as well. Uh, many of you may not realize this, but we have a special needs service uh, during our second uh, worship hour here at the church each and every week. But our friends from Abel Island are with us in the service today. So can we welcome our friends from Abel Island? If you would like more information on that, I know uh, Pastor Chris Ingalls would love to give you some information on how you can serve, how you can be a partner uh, with Abel Island. It is a fantastic ministry that is, is dated way before we became pastors here and the work that God's done. It's why we host Night to Shine every year. Uh, it's why we continue because we just feel like they're our friends and we want to love and have a place for them to come each and every week uh, to worship God and learn about Him. Uh, so we are kicking off our series, Family Values, uh, today, and uh, I, I don't know if your family tree looks anything like mine, um, but when we start to look at, at the generations and the extended family, it just really feels like a bad joke. <laughs> what do you get when, uh, when a drunk, a preacher, and an atheist walk into a restaurant, uh, family dinner, you know? <laughs> There's a few of you that are like, oh, yeah. It's okay. You can laugh at that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm, Brittany stepped out to to go check on some things, but I, I better be. I better be careful. Y'all don't realize this, but Brittany's like the voice of the Holy Spirit. I, I just know when she's in the room, I gotta be careful. When she steps out, all bets are off. <laughs> so um, I'm so grateful the Holy Spirit does not leave us nor forsake us. Uh, just gotta going to give you some bad theology there. <laughs> got to be careful. Um, but anyways, we're kicking off a, a series called Family Values. And, and this is what I realized. The, the reason I, I, I say that uh, in, in jest a little bit this morning is, is probably most of us in the room have some dysfunction, whether it's in our immediate family, extended family, or somewhere on the family tree. Uh, and, and, and so I, I recognize the moment we say, hey, we're doing a series called Family Values, um, there may be a couple of, of responses that happen internally. Some of you, you love your family. Uh, you've got a great family, and, and you're like all the warm fuzzies just, just, just make you feel good about everything that's happened in your life. And then uh, the rest of us in the room, uh, it just makes you cringe a little bit, you know? You're like, well, I'm a product of my family, and, uh, and I have wonderful parents. Uh, my dad's in this service um, I, I looked at them last service and said I didn't ask mom and dad's permission to talk about our family. Uh, so I won't, I won't get into it too much. But I can just tell you, our family tree is not the perfect family tree. There's not one of us in here that's got a perfect family tree. But here's what we're talking about. This isn't a series on parenting. This isn't a series on marriage. It's a series that is surrounding, uh, around this thought and idea that we can establish family values regardless of where we came from. Now, whether you realize this or not, we all have family values. Just some of the things our families value may look different from others and may not entirely look like the values that God intends for us to have 
or even in the right order. For instance, we may have a family value of hard work. But if hard work has taken priority over being a loving and a caring family, the priority is out of alignment. Working hard to have financial stability, great family value. Hey, we want to be financially stable. But if the financial stability has outpaced and become a higher priority than the provision of God, it is out of balance. So what would it look like for us to not just have family values, but have godly family values? According to what God intends for our homes, for our lives, for our houses. And you may be here and you're like, well, I'm single pastor, so I guess I can check out. You're wrong. Because can I tell you, you still have a family, even if you're the only one that is in your immediate family unit at this time. Whether you're married, whether you've got kids, no kids, you've got grandkids, great-grandkids, you've still got a family and an opportunity to establish godly family values that will make a difference. There's a passage, uh, or really just a, a verse that, that I, I want us to, to read today. It's found in Joshua 24, 15, which really is going to frame this series. And it says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. See, I, I recognize many of our family values that we, we exhibit and have grabbed hold of in our life have been passed down to us. You may find yourselves today, you, you walk in and, and when I hear the word, the, or say the word family, you begin to think about everything your parents did wrong and how bad you don't want to be like them. Unfortunately, we're still carrying those things on. You may have wonderful people who raised you. And you may look and say, I want everything. I want our house to look just like the house I was raised in. And you have been trying so hard to duplicate the house that you were raised in. And you keep failing. Because I think regardless of whether we want to emulate those who raised us or we have no desire to look anything like them, we are still just getting pieces and fragments from those who have been a voice into our life because at some point we have to make this decision, who will we serve? Where will our values come from? How do we make sure that our, our, our values are the way that God intended? And I love that this scripture here, so many times, I feel like I've heard this. If you've been raised in church, you've heard this probably a lot. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But there's a lot more to this scripture here. Because what we find in this text in Joshua is not just a statement that Joshua is saying, I'm going to serve the Lord. He says, I don't care where you came from. I don't care where we are right now. You've got a decision to make. And what a timely reminder that regardless of where you came from, regardless of what this world may look like, we need to make a decision of who we will serve. And I'm proud to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't have a perfect family. I don't have a perfect home. But you can rest assured that I am doing everything I can to build my foundation the way that God intended. 
Our text today for, for the message is found in a parable that Jesus tells. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And parables are just stories that Jesus used to teach and illustrate so that we can understand. That the people of the times could begin to, to understand. And the same goes for us. And he tells this story. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind, they blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Would you speak to us today, and would our hearts and our minds and our lives be ready to receive what you have for us today? In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Now here's this text about two houses, one built on rock and one built on sand. The interesting thing is before the storms come, you and I would see both of these houses and think everything was okay. It's when the winds pick up, it's when the rain comes, it's when the rivers begin to rise, that all of a sudden the house has some issues. Now, we built our house, and I really hope that it would withstand an earthquake, but I don't know if it will withstand an earthquake until an earthquake happens. Maybe your house has gone through an earthquake and you're like, well, pastor, my house can withstand an earthquake. I, I haven't experienced a hurricane in Greenville, South Carolina. I experienced one in Florida when we were living there and our house stood up, but it ripped some pieces from the house. But here's the reason the house was able to stand because the foundation was set correctly. See, I think many times, even within the church context, we have families that haven't looked at what your foundation is built upon, and it's, it's when the storms come that you feel like everything is breaking loose. Did you realize people in the church have problems too? Maybe that was just first service, you know? People in the church have problems too. But what our house is built upon matters. And if our house is built upon the rock, we, it may be terrifying. Pastor Stephen was talking about this with the, the students, this same passage of Scripture this past week with our students. How do we make sure that our, our house is ready? It all matters upon the foundation of which we are built. So we have to choose whom we will serve and where is our foundation. See, whether you're single, married with no kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, I believe that God's plan for you and your home is to have a foundation that is set on Jesus. See, of all things on an inspection report, maybe you've never built a home before, but of all things on the inspection report, foundation is a pretty major issue. Most buyers, if there's foundation issues, will run away. Maybe not in this housing market, but in a normal housing market. Today, people are like, I can have a house? There's no foundation? Awesome. Let me pay three times what it's really worth. I'm just kidding. I, sorry. Digress. But in a typical market, if there are foundation issues, people run. 
Why? Because if there's issues with the foundation, it's not an easy fix, it's not a quick fix, and sometimes the cost of replacing that foundation and getting it where it needs to be is astronomical. So it's easier to run away from foundation issues rather than to address them. But here's the great thing. Jesus always gives us hope. He's not telling this story to say, well, if your house is built on the sand, sorry about your luck. He gives us a very simple directive. If you will hear my commands, if you will hear my words, and you will listen to them, if you will apply them into your life, your house will be built on rock. If you hear my words and you don't, your house is built on sand. So we've got a path to restore the foundation regardless of what it came in today looking like. Now I heard a message by Pastor Jimmy Evans recently. And he was talking about this text. And he, and he made this, this statement. He said, you know, there's something interesting between sand and between rocks. If you've ever gone to the beach and you've laid on the sand... You've played in the sand. You've, you've, you've allowed your, your, your body to, to touch sand. Your body will make an indention in the sand. You will make an imprint in the sand. But if you lay upon rock, you make no in, indention and imprint on the rock. The rock makes an indention and an imprint on you. How true in this passage of Scripture that if our house is built on sand, our house will begin to conform to how we want it to conform. Our priorities, our agenda, our thoughts, our feelings. But if our house is built on the rock, it should imprint every part of our life. I don't know about you, but that means something to me. If I begin to build my foundation on the rock, which is Christ Jesus... It should, the foundation being the it, Jesus Christ should make an imprint on everything within my life. How I love my spouse, how I raise my children, how I interact on the job, how I treat my neighbors, how I steward my money. Why is there so much about Jesus that's in, in Scripture that gives us commandment? Because when we build our foundation on Him, it should affect every area of our life. See, when our house is built on the sand, it continues to just conform and adjust to how we need it to conveniently adjust. But when it is built on the rock, it should affect everything in us. See, I think that there's many families, unfortunately, that are quietly crumbling from the inside out because you've neglected Jesus as your foundation. It's real easy to... See our houses built on things like comfort, privacy, entertainment, safety, without making room for God to speak himself. But we have to check our foundation and make sure that it is built on Christ and Christ alone for us to build our family and build our lives the way that he intended. Because Christ is the ultimate foundation of our lives. So how do we do this? This is the big idea that Christ is the ultimate foundation for our lives? How do we make sure that that happens? Well, the first, I don't want to say it's an easy one, but it's a pretty simple one. Make God's word be your guide. Make God's word be your guide. See, here's the great news. If you've been living on sand, 
you can start pouring God's word into your foundation and watch the transformation that takes place in your family. It's not just pour a little God's word where I feel like. Pour it into every crack, every crevice, everything that's broken about your foundation. Pour God's word in and watch your foundation begin to stabilize and become the rock that it was intended to be. Now, hopefully every one of your vehicles at some point had, had, had a, little, a little black pouch. Maybe, maybe yours is a different color. Our, ours, is, our, ours is black in, in, in our, our vehicle. Now, if you did not realize this, if you've never opened one of these before, if, 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 you, if you open this, th- there's goodies inside. There's, there's a book. It's called an owner's manual. Now, here's what sadly happens sometimes, oftentimes, is we never open the manual that is so readily and available to us. Can I tell you what this manual does? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't. It doesn't teach you how to drive. To all the parents of our teenagers, someday I'm going to be coming to you for advice. I'm going to pray for you. All All these wonderful teenagers driving, keeping our roads dangerous. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But inside your vehicle, there's an there there's a there's a user guide. There's an owner's manual. And it doesn't teach you how to drive, but it does teach you how to get the most out of your vehicle. And it was put there by the manufacturer, the creator of that vehicle. Oftentimes, we don't go to it unless we have a problem. And even then, some of us don't go to that. We just take it to somebody else. And how true this is in our lives. That somehow God's word has stopped being a guide for us, and it's... And it's Typically, the last resort of which we go to when we can't answer the problem that we have. Why is the user manual in the vehicle? Because the manufacturer intends for you to get the most out of that vehicle. They don't want your car to die after owning it a year. They tell you what kind of wiper blades to put. They, they tell you what kind, of, what kind of transmission fluid, how often you need to change it. All the Everything that you would need to know to make sure that you stay on the road and get the most of your vehicle is right there, yet most of us have not cracked the book. Now, Brittany and I got a, uh, got a text message during last service and says, what does it say about me if I've read my book cover to cover? <laughs> You're a rare breed. But what if we actually started looking at God's word as a guide to get the most out of this life that our manufacturer, our creator intended for us to get? What if we actually stopped looking at it as just an emergency manual for us and we began to look at it as a daily guide for our life? See, the psalmist says this in Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. This isn't just for a moment. It's for the journey of life. It is intended to be your guide for this life. But we tend to go everywhere else before we go to God's Word. We'll ask 17 friends and five Facebook forums before we go to God. Here's the problem when we we look to other people before we look to what God says about it. 
is we begin to put on different perspective lenses to view God's word through when it's the last resort versus the starting point. See, I'm having some computer issues at the house, and I got onto a forum the other day, and I typed in exactly what was going wrong. And you know the problem? 17 people have 17 different solutions for me. Now, I'm not saying go to God's Word to figure out how to fix your computer. But I do believe everything that is necessary and needed for this life is right between these pages. Well, pastor is written 2,000 years ago. I, I, I just, I'm going to read this directly from our bylaws, what we believe as a church. We believe as a church, and this is my hope, that you and your family believe and live this way. The scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man. The infallible, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. See, God's word can guide you on parenting. It can guide you on marriage. It can guide you on singleness. It can guide you on finances. It can guide you on work and your ethics. It can guide you on leadership. It can guide you in anything you need for this life is right here. Parents, we've got cultural issues. It's not getting easier to parent. It's getting harder. The other day I found myself, my kids, and we are, we are, not, um, we are not easy on our children. One of mine's sitting in here not feeling well today. But just the other day, they're watching a TVG rated cartoon and something didn't sit right with me. And I began to dig up to what's taking place. And there are great resources. We use Plugged In, which is a focus on the family resource. If you're not using it, you should be if you're a parent of kids. And I say kids, until they graduate and they're providing their own finances, you're their parent and they're your kid. But I had to look and find out that the things that are being ingrained even so subtly into the minds and the hearts of our kids if we're not careful somebody else is shaping them but do you know whose job it is it's our job and do you know who has the ultimate manual god does and his word is not failing it's true it's righteous it'll give you everything you need I'm not saying that there's not great experts out there to help us. But if we're neglecting God's word is the first and foremost, we're missing it. Because you know what happens when we establish our home and our foundation is going to be in Christ and his word is going to be the basis of everything and we've established that his word is true? There's no arguing. Well, Mom, Dad, I don't understand why, you, why you're not letting us do this or why you're saying that. Because this is what God's word speaks life to us. It's someday our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our grandkids, they're already there. They're, they're, they're going to be building foundations for themselves. But we have an opportunity to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm not going to hand you a bunch of broken pieces. I'm going to give you every rock I can give you. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you what God's word says. Because that's what begins to shape us to have the homes and the lives that God intends for us to have. There's no challenge. There's no arguing with it. It's God's truth. It's the truth for us today. Now here's just a practical piece. 
Because I think you can, you can ask the, the obvious question. Well, pastor, you know, I, I think it's in Leviticus that says if your kids disrespect you, take them outside and stone them. How does that play into today's society, you know? Just afraid to give them a good spanking every once in a while. Here, here, here's, the, here's the practical of which I, w- I would encourage you today. Start with what Jesus says. Begin there. If you can't find in the words of Jesus to speak to your specific situation, I then move to people that were around Jesus. All of the New Testament begins to be the framework. Why? We have the Old Testament, not just is, is a history book. The Old Testament actually paints a beautiful picture of where we see Jesus all through Scripture. We see God's sovereignty all through Scripture. And then we recognize just how great the sacrifice of the cross and what Jesus did for us. That's why it's there. I'm not saying throw it out. I'm just saying start with Jesus. He's God. It's his word. So if Jesus spoke it, that's going to be the first place I start. Please consult a pastor or somebody before you take your kids out with rocks, okay? See, I think it's important for us to understand the context of what's going on in God's Word and how does that fit. There are great study resources. We love to put them in your hands, help you out. Our mission at Greenville First, you'll hear me say it again later in the message, but it's for us to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be. That's not just when you become a new believer. That's as parents, as grandparents, as great-grandparents, as aunts and uncles, because here's what I know. Many of us in the room probably hear this and are like, yes, pastor, our foundation is in Christ. Some of us have some work to do. But when we look at others that we can't control the decisions they're making, Maybe it is nieces and nephews. Maybe it's kids who have walked away from God and now they're raising your grandkids and you don't know how to handle it. I say grab rocks and stick them under those kids' feet every chance you can. If I'm a grandparent and my kids aren't raising their kids the way that God intended, I'm getting as much time with those kids and I'm putting rocks under their feet. Because they may be in a sand of a house but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm given the foundation in Christ Jesus. I don't believe there's any of us in the room that are away and, and, and can neglect putting God's word at the foundation of anybody and everybody that we have influence in. You're like, well, pastor, I'm single. I don't have any kids. I don't have any nieces and nephews. Great. You know what? We are always looking for people to come alongside Pastor Stephen and Pastor Logan to serve in our kids' department and our youth department. Why? Because we want to keep throwing rocks under their feet. Not at them, but under their feet. Because we believe that the foundation matters. And we do that by letting God's word be our guide. And then from there... Once God's word becomes our guide, we have to put God's word in action. We put God's word in action. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Can I tell you, God's word is for you. It's not about you, it's for you. God's word is specific instruction directed to you. Jesus says this in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, I think, I think we've seen this phrase manipulated so many times. Well, if you love me, fill in the blank. 
Jesus isn't manipulating us here. He's just stating facts that one plus one equals two. If you love Jesus, you do what he says. Why? Because he is our creator. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is who has got to be our foundation. And if he said it, I believe it. And I'm going to trust it. And I'm going to put it into action. I think one of the best ways that we can practice this in our families and in our homes, and it's a part of our reading guide that we provide every year, is that we believe in this thing called soap. Soap. <laughs> if you if you got kids, we believe in soap. <laughs> Both physically and spiritually. Spiritually speaking, that we would take Scripture... We observe what God's speaking in the scripture. How does this apply, A, to my life? And then I'm going to pray about it. Why do we do this? Because it's not just a guide for the hard times. It's a guide for every day of our life. And if we're not opening God's word, I don't think you have to read the Bible through every year to be a Christian. But I think that when you begin to open God's word and realize that it's not about you, but it's about God and his glory and his sacrifice of his son, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be putting it down. You should be grabbing it every chance you get to discover more of who God is and who he created you to be. Because it begins to shape you. Application is not just saying every day I've got to add more things to my to-do list. Putting it into action is less about to-do list and who you are becoming. See, Paul says this in Romans 12 too, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's a transformation process that takes place so that action is possible. Everything that God speaks in his word is not possible in our own power, and our own might. We have to go through a transformation process. And I believe that the key to action is finding this place of wonder and amazement at God and Christ, at the cross, his grace, the good news of Jesus. But it's less about doing and it's more about being. It's being who God created you to be. It's being in God's presence. It's being amazed and in awe of what he's done. See, I believe when we begin to meditate on God's word, when we spend time just soaking in God's word, I believe that it begins to, to shape the deepest parts of who we are. See, here's the thing about foundations. Nobody's getting excited when the foundation gets laid. When we built our house, I, I, I went to watch them pour the foundation more just because I was mesmerized that they were like dumping concrete from a truck and I'm just, I'm just a little kid at heart. But nobody's like coming to see. They don't want to see what's happening when the foundation's being poured. They want to see it when the roof is going on and the framing's going on and the windows go in and the paint starts to be applied in the walls. That's what everybody cares about and it's what happens in our life as well. We care about what, what happens on the outside way more than the foundation of which makes sure that all the stuff on the inside functions the way it's supposed to. We have to be transformed so that we can put it into action. See, I don't believe that the Bible is, is about us, but it is for us. 
We must spend time in his word because of who we will see, which is God. It's Jesus, not for what we have to do. I believe it's when we see God, it begins to transform us. See, this is making Christ the foundation of your home. You have to use God's word as God so that you can be transformed and put it into action. Which is really when we begin to key in on the third point, which is that we have to place Jesus above all. Place Jesus above all. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says this, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's the king of kings. He's the creator of the universe, the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, the life. This is Jesus. And he's the savior of the world. He's the one we are meant to see through scripture. To know, to treasure. But it's so easy to place so many other things above Jesus and not even recognize that we've done it. That we've exchanged our foundation of rock for sand. We do this with our friends. We do it with success. We do it with money. We do this with security. We do it with our jobs. We do it with our social status. We do it with academics. We do it with hobbies. We can even do it with family. Of where we place things above Jesus. And that's not the way that it's intended. You won't find that in his word. you will find is love the Lord your God all your heart all your soul all your mind now I want to just pause for a moment because I think it's real easy for us to confuse I'm not saying place church above all I'm saying place Jesus above all I think the trap in Christian circles is that we place church as our top priority and we've neglected to place Jesus as our top priority. It reminds me of, of, of the story of where the rich young ruler comes to, to Jesus. He says, what do I have to do to follow you? I've kept all the commandments. I've done all the right things that everybody would look at. But it was a heart issue because Jesus said, sell everything you have and come and follow me. And he couldn't do it. Don't place church in the seat that Jesus belongs in. But on the other side, I also think if we fully grasp who God is, who Jesus is, the wonder and the amazement, something inside of us shouldn't neglect the gathering of believers so that we can worship and celebrate together. Sorry if I offended you. There's something about the gathering of where we are exalting the name of Jesus, placing Jesus above all else. That when we really begin to get it, and he's really the foundation of our life, we should be excited to get in God's word. 
We should be looking for opportunities where we can gather and continue to worship him. But here's the problem. When church is, is taking the place of Jesus, we feel like when we show up on Sundays, whether it's once a week, once a month, once every six months, then all of a sudden we just feel better about ourselves. But all we're doing is we're just repair, doing some repair work on a sandy foundation. But our foundation is meant to be built on the rock and place Jesus above all else. So I think you've got to ask the question, is Jesus really above all in my life? And here's how you know where the answer comes. Are you more concerned with bringing God glory in everything and anything you do than what the world has to offer? See, I, I, I think this, we can be great parents and place Jesus above all. Why? Because the way we parent our kids, are we bringing glory and honor to Jesus? Are we exalting his name and how I respond to my spouse and, and how I steward my finances and how I handle the job and how I treat my friends? We can place Jesus above all and still have those relationships and those things still be present in our life. It's not saying that we have to choose Jesus and we lose all this. No, I actually think you're not placing Jesus above all if you've neglected time with your family. No, I don't think you're placing Jesus above all if you're lazy and no, good for nothing on the job. I actually think that if people know you're a Christian and then you're the worst person on the job, you're actually detracting from God's glory and, and you're putting blame and you're changing the perspective of what other people see Jesus. I didn't say that last service. I got to get back to my notes. I'm going to step on somebody's toes this morning. See, Jesus has to be above all in your heart and in your soul before he can be the foundation of your home. Jesus, above all. I think you've got to ask the question, can I keep Jesus above all else if I make this decision? See, in the sand, the sand bends to what we want it to conveniently. In the rock, it affects us. So every time, I hear this all the time, well, pastor, we just don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Then maybe you got to start asking this question. Can I still keep Jesus above all by saying yes to this? You can do all the good in the world. But if it's not placing Jesus above all else, you've missed it. You've got a house that's built on a shaky foundation. Maybe a great house. But be careful, because storms are coming. It's not if, it's when. Proverbs 13.22 says this. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I want you to ask this question to yourself today. What inheritance will you leave? What are you leaving behind? Because everything we build on top of the foundation, it's all determined by what's underneath the surface. And here's what I'd love to see for the parents in the room, that we can make a commitment that our children will not have to recover from us. Grandparents in the room, you may have missed it with your kids. It's not too late for your grandkids. I'm not saying this for those who feel like you've, you've, you've missed your prime 
You've, you've stepped beyond. I, I, I'm not saying this for you to feel bad about how you've parented and how you've led and how you've lived up to this point. I don't think it's too late. I think God is the restorer of all things. He brings dead things to life. Praise God that there, I don't think that there's any one of us that are too far gone for God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to rescue us from the sin that separates us from God. And I believe the same for your family. I know next week's Mother's Day, but we're going to come back. We're going to stay in the series next week. But in two weeks, I, I, I'm going to hit on some of it because I think that there's parents in the room that are like, what if we've done all the right things, Pastor, and they still walk away? Well, we're going to talk about how, how to have family values to, to embrace the prodigal, to love through that, to be a house of grace and forgiveness so that you are a place that they can come home to. See, I think that there's, there's so many of us that got so many things going on in our family, in our homes, but we've got to choose this day who we will serve. Well, we place a foundation in Christ Jesus that determines the inheritance that we get to pass on. And I love my boys. But even if they wander away, I'm staying committed to the generations. Whatever I can do, I'm not going to neglect what God's word speaks. And may I continue to put it into action that I will be an example. Brittany and I will continue to place Jesus above all else. And I'd be lying if I told you that I just expect for them to never give us issues, never want to argue with us, never want to push our buttons, but we're going to stay true to what God's word says. Because our inheritance is to pass to our children's children that Christ is the foundation of our home. I want to pray for just all of the families. We're going to give an opportunity. If you came today and Jesus is stirring in your heart and you're ready to make things right, we're going to get there in just a moment. But before we do, I want to pray over the families and the homes of our church and our extended family that, that Christ would be our firm foundation and that it would be the inheritance and we would see restoration taking place. We'd see foundations exchanged and repaired and fixed the way that God intends. So Father, we just come to you right now. God, everybody that is in the room, joining us online, that will watch this later, God, I pray right now for those that call Greenville First home. Father, I pray for our, our families and our homes right now. Whether we're an individual, whether we're multi-generational, whatever the makeup may be, God, you are enough for everything we need. Every bit of brokenness, heartache, Everything that's been passed down from generation to generation in you, we can see it cease. We can trust as, with you as our firm foundation that we have a solid rock to build our life for generations to come. God, I pray for every foundation in this room. God, every family that may have, they may have missed it. They may have been handed a, a bad bag of sand to build upon. God, we know that you are a restorer of all things. So I pray for our families. I pray for the generations. God, that we would pass the baton the way that you have intended for us to. May it be a godly and a Christ-centered foundation that we would pass. God, in the face of every challenge, every difficulty, that we would continue to put you above all else. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.
Now I just want you to pause just for a second. Here's the great news of Jesus. It's that Jesus came, he died for our sins, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he's still alive today. But here's what I, I, I need you to hear. That's great news. The bad news is we were all born into sin. And without Jesus and his sacrifice, we're hopeless and we're lost. You may have been handed a Christ-like foundation and, and you've yet to make Christ your foundation. It starts by saying yes to a life with him. For him to be your foundation. So if you're here today, I'm going to ask everybody, if you will, just bow your heads one more time. If you're in the room and you're just like, hey, Pastor, I, I need to make things right. Here's the great thing. God's not waiting for you to make things right and then say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus and he is with you on this journey. He'll help shape you, transform you, restore you. Everything that's broken about you, it's only possible to be fixed with Jesus. So if you'd say, yes, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I just want you to slip your hand up. Nobody's looking in the room. You just say, hey, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I want to say yes. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? You're in the room. You're, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. I want to begin a life with him. We're all going to repeat this prayer together, if you will. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. I want to be made new. I invite you into my life. I want to trust you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate life change happening today?